dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, dynamic voices for a diverse church powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining us, as always, is the founder of The Witness. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. Yeah. And then we have a third person what? on the mic. He is the man who produces and makes us sound good. Of course, we're talking about the award-winning producer, the real Bo York. So we're on this PTM 10-year retrospective episode, and we're getting to post Vodibakum article. This is end of 2014. And after Jamar called me, I knew that there was kind of a shift happening within the podcast and within the organization, because any of these inflection points kind of creates further clarity for where the organization will land. And there was a different lean and there was a different kind of, you know, different opinions, I should say, that was happening even within the podcast as well about where we should go, what we should talk about, how we should talk about it. And that was a, a lot of different factors. So just, you know, long story short, like Phil was transitioning. Yeah. It I was mean, very obvious. Understand, just like you listening, we were forming and shaping opinions in real time. Like, it's not like we started past the mic with some clear definitional idea of the tone and no angle. agenda. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was no agenda. Like we were just responding in yeah. real time to what was happening. What I didn't anticipate was that Phil and I, who had started RAN together, started the podcast together, would begin to have very clear differences of opinion. Partly, uh, Phil met a lovely young lady. Um, her last name was Balkum. And yeah. she's the daughter of Vody Bakum. And she was working at RAN. And she was working at RAN too. And so Phil begins to get immersed in Vody Bakum's teachings. We have some disagreements along those lines. And that eventually leads to him stepping down as co-host yeah. of Pass the Mic. And it's worth saying, like Phil and, and his wife, they've had their own journey as well, yes. which they can speak Absolutely. to very, yeah. very clearly and specifically. I'm just putting this out there Absolutely. as- you know, part of our historical journey. Yeah, Why is Tyler now the co-host where we started with well, Phil? And I mean, I, I just want to say like, just in terms of historically, I wouldn't have been introduced to any of y'all if not for Phil inviting me to come to Legacy Conference. And I remember at, that was something I failed to mention, at Legacy Conference, I'm kind of shadowing Phil. I'm just around Phil and I'm seeing how people are interacting with him. Like, got a chance to catch up with my man, DJ Wado. Wado, welcome to the show. Philip, what's up, man? How you doing, brother? Glad to have you on the show, man. I ran into uh, everybody from Show Baraka to Leon's to all this. Like everybody's like interacting with him, and he was a, he was a networker, but also like I was seeing like the tone, like how people were responding to Rant. And he pulls me in this classroom. You're there, and then in walks John Piper, and y'all take turns interviewing John Piper. I'm just sitting off in the class. I'm sitting off in the corner, like taking notes. My conscience is good that we tried something. In fact, I remember a black brother came to me after we had one of these choir efforts mm -hmm. to sound different. <laughs> and he said to me, appreciate your try. <laughs> and I took A for that. effort. Hey, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. He was saying, 
and that's what you I'm know because y'all were like yo um take notes for this for a future article on Rand. you know so i'm taking notes where it's just really the four of us in the room together you know and a, and a cameraman like it's just the four of us in the room together and cameraman talking to john piper like y'all just took turns like asking him about different things that were going on and so i just you know jasmine's brilliance and writing all that like we just wouldn't be here if not for yeah, you know man. no man phil phil hired me for Rand. And I remember, like, he took me out to breakfast and, like, offered me a job at RAN. And I said, that's a really bad idea for obvious reasons. Yeah. But he really, Not like, African sold American. me. On it. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, like, he really, really sold me on it. I prayed on it. And, like, I really, I was really like, okay. And so I, I just barely accepted before Jamar came back saying, like, well, okay, hang on now. We need to like, right, right. we need, we need to test this guy. I need, I need an essay from him. Let me send him all these questions, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. nobody has ever had to do. <laughs> what do you put in potato salad? <laughs> Be- no, no, but for real, um, you know, what Phil did in the beginning, this, this is more, more so ran, but also the podcast, the way he was able to network, make phone calls, connect with people. He Just moved brilliant. fast. Yeah. Just brilliant. He bro. recruited people to into a mission and a vision yeah. in a way that I never could, especially in those early days and there really wouldn't be any of this yeah had he seriously. not been there in those beginning love phil just yes. the way he did it was so smooth Bro, so smooth with it mm-hmm. he still got it and i'm like how does he how does he how did he convince me to be in a car for 24 hours yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like you barely knew him, him. Yeah. i'm like yeah, like i, I don't even know this dude you know? to make sure that as we're using social media our aim is to glorify god and enjoy him and to love him and love our neighbor well those are my final thoughts. Amen, brother. Uh, I couldn't have put it better myself. God bless you, Tyler. I enjoyed it. Yeah, like, oh, I'm man. like, bro. It. But so it was. It was mm-hmm. difficult because at that time, first of all, a lot was popping off in the nation around yeah. race. Yeah. So it was very tense in general, and a lot of people talking around it. And then um, when we decided to go separate ways, it was you know basically the co-founder. Um, moving in a different direction and me moving in a different direction. We were both on our own journey. Uh, so it was hard. It was hard. And for a long time, we didn't really speak or rock. We're cool now. Um, but that also opened a way for a next iteration of the podcast. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell people how, like, your experience, Tyler, coming on to pass the mic, not just as a guest host, of which I'm, you had been several times, but. I'm curious what, like, what motivated y'all to ask. Like, I didn't, I, it was kind of random for me. So, like, when y'all, like, I was involved in, in some of it and I would come on in a guest spot, especially talking about the race stuff, um, and the, the social justice stuff. But, like, in, as a whole, I was like, oh, they're kind of thinking, I expected y'all to go in a different direction or I expected potentially the podcast to like end. Like there was a level to which I was like, oh, the podcast might be ending. You know, Jamar can get somebody else to rock with him. But then I was not expecting y'all to ask me. So I didn't know where that came from. I'm trying to remember, actually. This is this is a good like we, we had discussions about it. I think you were, I think it was just so obvious if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, it felt like he's been on the podcast before. Right. We had a good rapport and... He was bringing, because we're embedded in the PCA and reformed, so he's bringing an Afrocentric Christian perspective that I think that I thought at the time and still think we need. There was a broader cultural deficit that existed within the podcast that, especially with your work and your writing, like was a, a just a clear benefit. Aside from the fact that, by the way, at this point, you were a professional. You'd been like a television, you'd been on television. You were like, you know, exactly, exactly. It was absolutely a no brainer that we wanted you. The question was, 
Where Did we, he want us? I know. Where are we going to get you? Apparently Well, not. and yet, what was interesting was at that up until that point, I had just been a guest, so I hadn't ever been in the host chair. And so it was like a, it was like a difference in, oh, at first I was, there was a hesitancy because I'm like, I don't really think I fit in the guest chair. But like, then when I thought about it, I was like, oh, okay, if I can kind of take facilitator and kind of take a point guard role, like, I feel like that may be more in my wheelhouse and my skill set. But Jamar and Bo had a conversation with me in December 2014 after a podcast that we had recorded or actually this is what happened. They were recording a podcast in an interview. Bo says, Bo calls me, says, can you hop on uh, this, this feed? Can you hop on this feed? So we want to ask you something. I said, yeah, sure. So I hopped on the feed and I was driving, passing by Cordova Mall in Pensacola. And uh, I remember the conversation. I remember it very vividly. Like y'all were talking about, y'all spent like, y'all poured your hearts out for like five minutes each about what was going on. And I remember saying like, bro, I don't really, I don't know. You know, like, I don't think, I'm not quite sure. And, uh, you know, I said, but I, you know, I think about it. And so at first I was like, no. And then I was like, right after that, I prayed and I prayed some half-hearted prayer. Like it was super half-hearted, like just casual, like, all right, God, if there's something you want me to do, like, whatever, like, I guess, you know, I'll give it some of my time. Like, it was a very, like, nonchalant prayer. And I, I hear, I heard vividly, clearly, um, the Lord say, it's not about you. Like, none of this is about you. And I, I changed my prayer from praying about whether or not I should do this to praying for everyone who would listen to Pastor Mike. Mm. And so I started praying for our audience and I started praying for the people I hadn't met yet who would listen. And it moves me to say, God, if, if I'm supposed to be the one who stands in the gap so that people can hear what you called them to hear, I'll do that. And that's when I reach back out and I say, yeah, I'll do it. And beginning of a new era. (laughs) You know, what's interesting is 2015, you know, this is leading into 2015 and 2015 really is the under the hood era because Jamar and I just started recording every week. We had so many episodes. I look back on and literally after that whole summer, whole fall, whole winter, we were just recording podcasts. Yeah. And so I would be on work trips recording podcasts. We just wouldn't miss a week. And what folks got to understand is we're 10 years into this and what you hear on the mic is the result of what happened in 2015. 2015. Right. Okay. right. 2016. Well, let's let's do it. We're going to stretch ourselves. You you'll see you'll see where I'm going. All right. All right. I don't want to mute my mic, guys. Thanks, Bo. All right. Do I sound okay? Everything good? All right, cool. All right, here we go. I'm good. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. Greetings and God bless. To build a rapport, because even if you know someone and you're friends with them, to build a rapport on mic, to know each other's cues, it's like a it's like a quarterback and a wide receiver. Yeah. It's like, a, you know, whatever, you know, actors in a performance and you just know, here's my moment to jump in. Here's where I need to pass it like that has taken such that has taken such a long time to develop. Yeah. And it's happening off mic too. It's not just that we're developing it when we're recording. It's phone calls, it's text messages, it's voicemails, it's in-persons, it's all of this. And that's one of the remarkable things. Like doing anything for mostly weekly for 10 years, my goodness. And I think even the – y'all don't see it because you're not actually 
watching us on this in this particular iteration you're not watching us but you'll see us sometimes i'll look at jamar and i'll hold my hand out and he'll automatically just take just it, it right and he'll be like you know he'll tilt his head to the side and i'll take it it's like we were building up that rapport and figuring out okay this is when he ends here this is what this means while at the same time we're helping people navigate yeah. Black Lives Matter. And Bo, too, being able to know what's the energy level, where do we need to take the theme, all of these things. Him, you know, reaching out on the chat saying, hey, can you get a little bit closer to your mic? Hey, can you go back to this? <laughs> hey, 10 minutes, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And then eventually him saying nothing, but like, you know, doing some hand motions when we yeah, started just looking non-verbal. and just we know. <laughs> and so that was like our under the hood year. And this was important because in- you know, 2015, what do we see? Do we see the rise of Donald Trump? So, ladies and gentlemen, I am officially running for president of the United States. And we- Goodness gracious. And so the rise of Donald Trump leads itself into what is one of the most important events uh, for us in our history, and that's our interaction with the apologist James White. And that was in March of 2016. Yeah. So this is this is critical because I think a lot of people like who have been with us for some time might look back at that era and say like, oh, well, processing Donald Trump with Jamar Tisby, that's like this big, you know, jet fuel moment for the podcast. And that's true. But the groundwork was laid in this very specific canon event that was people reaching out. I want to say through like the Facebook group at the time. Probably that would be the only way they get it. Yeah, because this was in regards to a Facebook post that was made by some apologetics dude named James White that we at best barely even knew, knew of. I should say we don't, we didn't, we did not know him. We do not know this man. Yeah. Here's what I wrote. I bought a dash cam recently. Seems everyone in Russia has one. So I was coming home this evening and happened to be the first car at Glendale, 35th Avenue, Phoenix. And as you will see, a young black kid looks to be about 15 years or old or so. He plainly flips off the police vehicle. Then he is emptying the drink he is consuming as he walks out of the frame. As I drove away, I thought about that boy. There is a more than 70% chance he has never met his father. He is filled with arrogance and disrespect for authority. He lives in a land where he is told lies every day. He is lied to and told the rest of the world owes him. And the result is predictable. In his generation, that 70% number will only rise. He may well father a number of children, most of which will be murdered in the womb, padding the pockets of Planned Parenthood. And those survive will themselves be raised without a natural family, without the God-ordained structure that is so important for teaching respect and true manhood or womanhood. It never crossed yeah. so, so actually what happened was, yes, there was that Facebook post, but then the group that we were in at the time, that big reform group, a reform pub on Facebook. Oh, yeah. So this is what happened. The reform pub on Facebook. All the black people in there because that was the only reform forum. It was huge. They went hard for James White. But see, they literally no. They literally shut down conversation. They literally made a post that said we nobody can talk about James White because he's a member of our group. But we had just responded the to only James thing White. Are asking is that you actually take the time to understand the context where these comments are coming from and why a post like his original post was so hurtful. We would love to have Dr. White talking about racial issues in a healthy way after he's researched some of the history, after he has had some personal relationships where he can understand someone's experience to begin advocating for racial justice in a social media platform like he did here. It's not- And they were trashing us, so they didn't protect us, but they were protecting him. And and I'll never forget, like, 
Bo said, yo, cash literally on that on that post he said, cash out my tab. Yeah. And actually he said I'm out. Here's there's there's other context to that as well. The reform because there was another podcast I was doing at the time that the reform pub was trying to get us on their network. Like they'd been like really trying to recruit us hard, and both me and the co-host of that show were like, uh, no. And then when all that went down, I was like, we're yeah. done. He said, "Cash out my tab." Cash out my tab. I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm out. That's a mic drop, and, right? And there. I was like, and it was yeah, it was. And I was like, you know what? I'm out too. Like I said, I was like, yo, I'm out too. And all of a sudden, we moved over to the Pass the Mic Facebook group, and that was like nothing. It was like probably like a hundred <sighs> members, maybe, but it, we weren't doing anything with it. Now you got a flood of all the people that are like, no, we agree with y'all. Where are Whoa. y'all going? Whoa. And we didn't even say anything. No. Okay. So you know how I said earlier how we did everything so deliberately and with a lot of like, you know, talking. This was such an accident. We kicked around this idea of doing a Facebook group. And so we created it as kind of like a test and we'll do like, oh, like friends and family invite and somebody, it's me, I forgot to put the whole like privacy settings on. And so once we moved over, the floodgates started coming in and we're like, huh, we must have accidentally invited a whole lot of people. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And at that time, we had no intention of, of leading the Facebook group. We didn't know what was going on. And this is how... We meet people like Ali Henney. Yes. This is how we meet people like Christina Button. This is how we meet people like Dee Dee Rowe. This is how we this is how we meet the people that became a central part of propping up the future of past the mic. A lot of folks who weren't even familiar with the podcast. They weren't familiar. And back then we were still ran. Mm. And so they were just like, oh, this is a group that's talking about race and culture from a black Christian perspective. This is dope. And all these people followed and they followed because you know, James White's controversy of him talking about this random black man that he has seen in his city and us responding to it. And then we get into a straight up what's really a, a war with James White back and forth, you know, and it was a back and forth thing. He's doing his thing. An, uninten- an unintentional. Back yeah, and forth. yeah. But, but it was like, all right. Uh, everybody keeps saying you, you need to, you know, and it's from the reformed African-American network and all the rest of this stuff. And I just, I just saw so many issues. We're not going to let you um, talk to us like this. Mm. And I think that was the shift. The and I'll tell y'all, this is a canon event because it's when Pastor Mike found his voice. Welcome to Pastor Mike. I'm your co-host, Jamar Tisby. We have some special guests with us today. As always, we have Tyler Burns. What up, Tyler? Jamar, how's it going, brother? It's going really well. I'm excited because of the brother we also have with us. BJ, what's going on, my G? Hey, man. Glad to be here with you. How you doing? Part of the impetus for us on the call together is what's been going on with Dr. James White. He originally posted a post on Facebook. This is when Jamar and I were like, you know what? (laughs) Nah, G. It's indicative of his academic dishonesty that he would state a stat and then outright deny and say, denounce the fact that he would even listen to social studies historical narrative. I go, man, this is really, this is interesting. I don't know who gave you your PhD, but you cannot assume and read into stats void of historical context, um, social. I talked about probabilities and people were posting HuffPo articles. Please don't post HuffPo articles for me. HuffPo articles and everything else about, well, maybe not, it's not that bad or maybe, and and I, I just sat back going, why are these people trying to defend this behavior? 
I had people actually say right around that same time, Akimini had released an article right after that entitled Where Are Our White Allies? And so why I'm calling upon um, our white allies is that they often times they're more influential than us mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, when it comes to these issues. And it means a lot more when you have a peer saying, hey, hold up, you know, like, why are you making any assumptions about this person or or that wasn't right? You know, and it was in response to James White. She comes on the podcast. Back. They go after um, Kim. She goes. Uh, he goes after um, Kimini. Then we go back after him. You're like, no, you're not going to talk sideways about a Kimini. Like, we're not going to let you do that. So we had a episode called Processing, Processing James, James White, White mm-hmm. that you can go back and listen to, and you can kind of get the context for all this. But there's a string of episodes subsequent to that that Tyler's talking about, where we really sort of find our voice. At least in opposition to yeah. white Christian racism, mm-hmm. which there was in abundance. With you, Tyler. I, I do want to mention one thing that um, Dr. White said in a very prominent portion of the podcast. He said, you know, how can you be silent about these things? And then a minute later said he wasn't going to listen to any webcasts or podcasts and such. Um, tell him. And I just want him. to to point out, you can't say that. You guys aren't talking about this and then say, I'm not going to listen to the podcast and articles yeah. and websites where you do talk about this. Yeah. That right there, that moment was so important for us because we were being called out, name dropped, everything but mocked, a child dog. And we were like, we're not backing down. We didn't back down. And we didn't have to because we had our own mics. What? But this is we the thing. We had our own so, platform, which was a huge part of it. So this is the insider that I think people need to hear is that prayer I prayed at the end of 2014 after Bo had had this conversation with me, Bo and Jamar. And the Lord said, it's not about you. That prayer was so important because at the time, everybody was not happy that I was hosting Pastor Mike. And I'm not just talking about outside the organization. I'm talking about within the organization. So at that time, again, I'm going to give you some insider. Um, at that time, the board was against it. So oh. the board of the Reformed African American Network was telling us not to get in it, into it with James White. And they were literally making statements like, oh, I see the podcast has changed now with a new co-host, a right. new edition. Um, and that's fine. Changes happen, but at least let us tell you what to say and how to say it or how to say it. Right. So they were like, oh, we're going to come. We'll mentor you and how to say this right and how to do this. And why couldn't y'all collaborate with James White and do something together and all this? And I'm, I'm looking at Jamar like, yo, do you agree with this? Because if you agree with this, I don't know if this is the spot for me, but we kept going. Mm-hmm. And and this is not like the board that we answer to. It was like an advisory board, right? Mm-hmm. So this was literally like a board that was that of people that we deeply respected, and a couple of them saying we're against what you're doing. And that was the moment where we we're like, "You wake up, call if be your own people." I was like, "Whoa!" Like, and I would understand it if it was like, "Oh man, you know what? We out here just disrespecting folks and talking reckless." And, we're in this space of trying to figure out how do we maintain our voice when even the people who we respect and honor and love disagree with us. And Jamar, you know, I give Jamar so much props and credit because he's had to stand in between so many of these awkward moments. You know, whether it was the situation with Vody, whether it was with the board, 
so many others. He's just had to stand in and manage and massage these awkward moments. And never once did Jamar seem like he was going to back down. He was just like, hey, we've we've got to, this is just a, a, a reminder for us to keep going and doing what we're doing. Uh, apparently, at that time, we had started to get a little swell of public support. Hang on, we got we got to pause for just a second. I know, okay. I know, I know. We've got like you know, we barely scratched the surface of our history yeah, here. We're yeah, like yeah. going long and everything. But first of all, yes and amen because Jamar, you you've had to take a lot of that stuff on, like very much in the public eye and stand in that gap throughout the history of Rand and past the mic and the witness. But Tyler, you have also had to deal with these side swipes that you just kind of will mention and reference in passing, which don't get focused on, but is super frustrating <laughs> and really ridiculously upsetting. You know, stuff like that from even inside from our own board and what will happen throughout the history of the show that continues on for quite some time. And not and I'm not just, you know, not just talking about internally. But even within our own camps, let's say, or like within kind of the 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 coalition that starts kind of coming here, and wow. it's it has always upset me, and it is so frustrating. And we ne- we we take the high road, so a lot of times we don't go after people like for that. Some, yeah, I mean, some. even when we respond, it's the high road. It's a conversation we were having on another episode. The difference between you know self defense and vengeance, right? Like we're yeah, defending ourselves, right? But I will say this: what is consistent and a principle that anybody can pull from this is. If we wanted to pursue justice, we had to stand with integrity at critical moments. Mm, yes. And all of us have done that. When you said, you know, give me my tab, cash my tab out, right? And you told the reform pub, if you're gonna walk this way, I'm not walking with you. I'm walking out, right? And then Tyler's had to do that at key moments. I've had to do that. Our podcast has had to do that. And our listeners, if you want yeah. to walk that path of justice, you will have That's to do good. that mm. and continue doing That's that. Good. And it, it it's not just one moment, right? What we're hearing throughout this episode is canon events, plural, yeah. pivotal moments that many of them are, are canon events because we could have taken a different path and we chose the one we're on that led us here. Yeah. So you're setting this up, but so James White kind of tills the soil. All of a sudden, people are paying attention. Yeah. People are responding. And not just that, there was an article, and I want to be kind to the lady because I believe she became a PTM listener, ironically, after. But there's a TGC article after James White where a older white woman talks about meeting uh her future son-in-law <laughs> with dreadlocks oh the you know, dreaded the dreaded glenn yeah. The black son. yeah it's the dreaded glenn and that goes like literally dreaded. that's what it that's literally yes. what it says like the, the dreaded, group went the, off on that the group went nuts everybody and see you have to understand pastor mike's finding his voice but all black christians in this adjacent space are starting to say oh if other people can speak up, I can too. And this was different because what Pastor Mike represented was a invitation for people to use their voice. Mm. That was different. So it was different because what had happened before is the avatars yeah. of different opinions yeah. have fought it out. Yeah. And I would support the voice of someone else. Right. And if I'm conservative, I support the voice of Vody. And if I'm over here, I support the voice of Thabiti and I support this voice and support that voice. It had to be these platforms. It had men. to be these avatars and platforms. Yeah. What Pastor Mike did was say, nah, no cosign, 
No big up, no big homie, no denomination, no big conference, no crew. No it's money. Just no money. <laughs> no sleep. It's just us. And it's like the energy was, we speaking up. We got something to say. Like, we got something to say. And, and that's the energy of Pastor Mike. And if y'all hear us do that, that's where it comes from is because people start to say, oh, snap. So we can say something now. And there were people I've seen that were in conservative circles, didn't say anything. And then they were like, oh, snap. Now I'm in this group where everybody's like, they're not going to shut me down for saying something different. Not going to shut me down for saying Tamir Rice should still be alive. Okay. Like, let me turn up and let me say something now. And that's when it, that's when things started to shift. And then it really started to shift right at the 2016 election. None more shocking, though, to me than last night when we heard the Secretary Hillary Clinton had called Donald Trump to concede the election. And you're right. We sat here 12 hours ago and we looked at an electoral and map I, I that felt, seemed impossible. Frankly. I remember this because leading up to the 2016 election, I'll pass it to Jamar. I was in Atlanta and I was in Atlanta preaching at a church or excuse me, in Marietta preaching at a church. And I couldn't be on the response episode. And back then, the Facebook group was booming. Like the Facebook group was popping. And so I was managing the Facebook group and kind of overseeing that, like kind of tripped into it because I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know about <laughs> rules. I don't know about anti-bullying. I don't know about any of that. And they were like, yo, we're going to record this Trump episode or we're going to record this recap, election recap episode. And I remember this is before Trump won. So I said, yo, I don't think I'm going to be able to be on it. So you take it. I'm tired. You take it. <laughs> and I had That's no so clue he wins. And I'm like, dang it. I, I need to be on the episode, but I didn't bring any of my stuff. So I'm in Marietta and you record maybe the most important episode in the history of PTM. Welcome to Pass the Mic. I'm your producer, Bo York. With me is your normal host, the co-founder of the Reformed African-American Network, Mr. Jamar Tisby. Jamar, how are you doing tonight? Uh, such a loaded question given the circumstances. <laughs> right. Um, if I speak honestly, I can just say I've been better. That's what I've been saying all day. Well, processing Donald well, Trump with Jamar Tisby, which by the way, solidifies the processing blank with Jamar Tisby <laughs> as like, it became a thing. Yeah. If we ever say processing with, we need some more downloads. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and fun fact, typically I'm on those episodes, which is kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, whatever people said. It was still a shock when Donald Trump won. And I remember sitting in my house in Helena, Arkansas, in the Delta. It was late at night. My wife had already gone to bed. Results are rolling in, and they finally call it for Trump. And I'm just devastated, right? And I'm thinking, one of the things I think of many thoughts is about going to church that Sunday, hmm. which is a predominantly white, evangelical, non-denominational, one of 10,000 across the nation knowing full well that there were some people in my congregation who just as I was lamenting and worried about what was coming next, they were celebrating. And my thought was, well, this is a Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. What happens this Sunday? And Bo asked some great questions and it, and elicited out of me the remark. I really, this Sunday don't, feel safe worshiping with white people. Um, I go to a church. I don't feel safe going to my predominantly white evangelical church. Why did you say he elicited? (laughs) 
That's how you felt. He drew it out. He drew it out of me. He, he, he brought it out. He, yeah. he provoked me to say it. Um, it's the problem. Pass the mic. It's just this is this. If you're not going to be open here, where are you going to be open? Now, um, now, what's what's wild about this is I remember listening to it, and what you said was so measured and clinical, and but also heartfelt and rooted in conviction. Yeah, you structured build up to that moment. Yeah. You said yeah, it, it was he- a lot of caveats. You yeah. said it hesitantly. You were like, I don't feel safe worshiping with white people. And then you said, I know Christ is my chief cornerstone. Like he just, he did all this. He basically did like a, a hood apostles creed, like just right there. Like he just did it all. But he's like, I'm just telling you how I feel right now. Like he said, I'm just telling you how I feel right now. I put so I said, as many pillows around it to soften yeah. the blow as possible. It was a hard word, but it was a fair word. It wasn't anything unfair. I didn't feel like you was wilding. I didn't feel like you would take a liberty you shouldn't have taken. It just felt like, dang, bro, like, and the uh, people went berserk. Yeah. I've never seen a backlash like that. I've never seen it. Until the next year. But I've never, <laughs> seen, a, I've never seen a backlash like six that. Six months later. Yeah, like six months later, definitely. But I've never seen a backlash like that. And yeah. it was those live episodes from James White. It was... Well, so that's the thing. James, the James White episode didn't just attract people that really felt like we represented them well in the quote unquote response to James White, but it was also the people who followed James White that didn't like the fact that people were talking about James White. So now they were hate listening. And probably for the first time to that level, we had hate listeners. Mm-hmm. And so when you yeah, tell hate listeners, yeah. you don't feel comfortable worshiping with white people after Donald Trump gets elected. Hate listeners are going to go find a lot more hate listeners. Yeah, 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 yeah. But here's the, here's the wild thing about that, too. While all this is happening, we still dying in the streets. A lot, of people say, a lot of people will say, look, if these folks had just complied with the officers, they'll dig up their their legal histories and say, look, they were, you know, fathering children out of wedlock. They had a record. All of these things that actually have nothing to do with the actual incident wherein they lost their life. What that is, is an emphasis on moral and the, it, It's just, it's a cycle. It's cyclical. Yeah. And, it's and so we're talking about these citations, they lead to or have the potential to lead to escalation. Another situation, Walter Scott, right? Mm. The Walter Scott situation, which again led to um, the killing of, of an unarmed black man. So I just want us to remember that. And if all you have to offer is critique without anything constructive, if all you have to do is sit on the sidelines and throw stones without being in the game, I don't really want to hear from you. So Yeah, and that, that kind of takes us back to Jesse Williams' speech at the BET Awards, right? If mm-hmm. you're going to criticize us, have a record of decrying the oppression that has plagued us. How can you so we're still le- leading people in thinking about Black Lives Mattering. Mm-hmm. And so it was this wild moment where it looked like we were fighting our people and fighting people that were trying to kill us. Mm. So we tried, people are trying to silence us and people that are trying to silence us for good. And we, I remember sitting back after that and someone sent me a message, a guy who I had gone to school with. He was like, man, you used to be so solid. What happened to you? Whoa. That's what I'm talking about. You've changed. And I was like, I literally said out loud, we got to leave the reform camp. And I didn't really say anything yet, but 
soon thereafter, I would really fight hard to say we can't be the reformed African-American network anymore because akin to what Jamar said in the processing, I don't feel safe being in the reform camp. So folks can go back and listen to that episode from November 2016. It's called Processing Donald Trump with Jamar Tisby. Bo hops on his co-host and interviews me. And one of the things that that moment brought out for me, first of all, it was traumatic for me. Like for three yeah. weeks straight, it was nonstop trolls. And I don't just mean like, oh, we disagree with you. Like they're sending hateful memes and word, all this stuff. It got to a physiological response to where I would not even check my mentions or mm. notifications because it was always something hateful. My eye would start to twitch. The mm -hmm. little muscle in my eye would start to twitch. And then what that did, though, was it attuned me it wasn't just about like race, it was race and politics. In other words, it was race and power and that marriage between those two. And Donald Trump just brought out what, what was there um, already, but in such a clear, stark way yeah. that it was so undeniable for us. Um, and that's why I'm thankful you were on the podcast and co-host because you brought this other perspective of, for me, your perspective was, Guess what? There's a bigger church out there than the reformed and evangelical <laughs> world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, brother, like, just come follow me. There's this, there's this doorway here that leads to this hallway in this whole other part of the house that you ain't never been in. So check it out. But what was also cool about that, and in a in an odd way, like me being at Ran helped me to appreciate what I already had. Mm. It helps me to appreciate the fact that the Pentecostal tradition is actually big God theology. Yeah. Which was a title That's of a real big article. God theology. Actually, like I was like, no. Article. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was like, no, nah, this, this, this big God theology right here, I've grown up around big God. What are y'all talking about? Your God is so small that if you, if you fight for justice, your God is offended. Ooh. Like, and I was like, no, my God is big. He's big enough, big enough that I can worship, praise. Your God's so small, you can't even express yourself. You can't raise your hand to worship. You can't even raise your hand. <laughs> you know, and it was like, that was the mentality I was on at that time. So, you know, that's like an inflection point. Right after Trump, everything changes, you know, right after that episode, part two. I know we've been here for an hour. Y'all know we're going to get a part two in this because this is the oral history of Pastor Mike. And so, so we got to definitely dive into so, so, so much more. Somebody's getting two. these seeds for their dissertation right now. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, fam. So we'll be back of the oral history of Pastor Mike. We'll see you next time. Coming up on part three of Not the Voice, the Microphone, the Pass the Mic story. And I remember looking at the, I remember tilting my head to the computer like, oh, you want to keep your job? He said something about, he, he talked about Donald Trump having massive childhood wounds and making him an unhealthy, unfit leader. Like there's a voice that is past the mic and there should be more black female podcasts so there's this big demand that we've kind of experienced. We've gotten all this feedback for sitting there having pizza with the Kimini, thinking through some different things. And through that discussion came this idea. I'm not ordained. If I had been ordained, they definitely would have brought me up on charges, right. like formal charges and written letters to the presbytery and all that stuff. So like this podcast episode that wasn't meant for these people in terms of 
who our audience was, got a hold of it, and ran with it to the point of doxing us, basically. Well, yeah.